Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Go Outdoors podcast. Today's guest is a really good friend of mine who has been, I would say, influential in how I approach fishing. It is Mike Ghost Fishing. You might all be familiar with him. He's probably one of the most chill and real guys out there who is posting content regularly and I invited him onto the podcast to discuss all things bass fishing and then the other things he likes to do outdoors. So this is a great episode. But before we get into it, I want to take the time to read another review. Um, so if you are enjoying this content, if you are enjoying this podcast, please do me a favor. Wherever you get your podcast, leave a review if possible. Um, rate it, review it, and I will read it on the podcast. So... The review this episode is from Mitch 77 and it is titled, You Hooked Yet? Pun Intended. Ramon takes storytelling and conversations about the greatest stories you haven't heard yet and makes it entertaining, enjoyable, and wanting more. Give the podcast 10 minutes and you'll be craving another episode. Keep it going. So super thanks. Shout out to you, Ryan. Really appreciate that. And with that, we'll get right into the podcast with Mike Goes Fishing. Awesome. Okay. So thank you for taking the time to join, Mike. Um, we can start out with you telling everybody a little bit about yourself. All righty, man. Yeah, my name is Mike. Uh, I run a Instagram page, Mike Goes Fishing, and I have a YouTube, Mike Goes Fishing. Yeah, I I, I go fishing. I love it. I love going fishing. I love being outdoors and uh, basically anything outdoors really um whether that's the survival stuff the bushcraft stuff uh, all of that's on the page uh, really should just be mike goes outdoors but uh, let's see uh i started all of this it's because my father's i have two fathers <laughs> okay. uh, my my biological dad and then i have a stepdad i don't call him that but mm-hmm. um yeah they both are uh, avid outdoorsmen so they uh one of them was really into fishing with my grandfather so he took me out fishing all the time we would ice moment i could hold a fishing pole or rod whatever you want to call it uh they had me out in the boat catching panfish we'd have a bunch of fish fries and then uh my other dad would uh, take me out hunting as often as he could which i never really got too far into that but uh it's something i want to kind of reconnect with here within the next few years sweet um but yeah it's kind of how i got into the outdoors basically just i was raised to yeah outdoors, so. <laughs> and and that seems to be um the common thread is either you were raised doing it or um you uh, as in like myself as an adult you decided to just start doing it because for myself um it was something i always wanted to do just never really had um the guidance or someone to take me to teach me everything which kind of kick-started my my whole like uh creating content for people who are in similar situations like myself is like you know i'm struggling to learn things from people who are experts who do know who have been doing uh, experts in the sense that they've been doing this for many years 
Yeah. And and only having online resources, it's like, okay, that's great. But what's kind of missing is, you know, as a beginner, what you should be looking for, because you know what a hit from a fish feels like, like you're, you're working your lure and you know what a hit feels like. But as a beginner, I wasn't sure if it was grass or an actual fish hitting my lure. So those are the kind of things <laughs> that struggled. And I feel like gets lost as you like go on. Yeah. Unless you're like right next to the person teaching them. So that's kind of been the the consistent theme is like either you grew up doing it, you're you had a father or an uncle or a grandfather, someone who would take you along with them. And um, that kind of starts everything. And if, even if people stop at a certain point, they still pick it back up and they have all that knowledge. Or you're in my camp, the adult onset camp, the person who hasn't done it and is learning as a as an adult um but yeah that, that's pretty cool to have someone to or in your case a few people to take you out and kind of show you the ropes that must have really ingrained it you said you, you the hunting side didn't really stick and that's actually quite normal but um well what, what about fishing kind of hooked you you know pun intended <laughs> yeah i think uh with the fishing it uh i because i grew up fishing I had continuously accumulated more and more gear so like I already had it and with the hunting stuff I didn't really because I didn't it didn't really stick with me I didn't accumulate all that gear that you need to do that so fishing just became easier to do I'm sure if I had if it was the opposite I'd be hunting more than I'd be fishing so and then as I got older I was like okay uh, I don't really hang out as often with my parents anymore. So I'm going to go off and I'm going to do this by myself and learn how to do mm -hmm. this. So I still had the aspect of learning it, how to do it myself, especially the bass fishing. Zero clue when it came to bass fishing, how to do all that. Because my parents weren't really into the, uh, the traditional modern way we bass fish these yeah. days. So I had to learn all of that by myself and, YouTube really helped mm -hmm. with that. And I think that was around 2014 okay. when I started to learn all that. So it took me a long time to, to get to where I am right now with all that. But uh, yeah. What, what kind of fishing did you grow up doing? Uh, it was mostly a uh, panfish. So, you yeah. know, you chuck a bobber out there mm -hmm. and you wait for that thing to go down and you reel it in. Most of the time you just kept it. It didn't matter what the size was. But back then, the size of a panfish was usually bigger than your hand so yeah <laughs> and, 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 and what part of the u.s are you in i am in uh michigan right now west okay. michigan so oh yeah okay so you i mean the the fishing opportunities are plentiful out there right oh. like there's a ton of public access and things like that where you can kind of just drive for like 15 20 minutes and you'll find a water hole yep. right yep it's uh it's pretty incredible up here um I think the state of Michigan is really designed to invite people to do these things. So our public lands and our wildlife and wildlife parks and all that are really, really important. Mm -hmm. I think that's what makes most of the money for the state, uh, which is pretty crazy. But yeah, we have uh, an insane amount of opportunities and it makes they make it really easy for us to get out and go fishing and hunting and all that. No, yeah, I believe it. 
And and it's funny because you said that um, fishing was more accessible to you because you already had the gear. Mm-hmm. And I find that fishing is also more accessible because um, it's it's less of a time commitment. And when I say it's less of a time commitment, I mean um, you can grab your gear, your rods, everything you need, drive like 10, 15 minutes down the road to wherever you want to fish. And usually on a good day, you're going to find a good mess of fish that you're going to get into. But for hunting, you need to take time to scout. You need to do a ton of research. And on a good day, you may find one or two if you're lucky. And if you have that one opportunity and it like kind of goes, that might be it for your day. So the, the success rate, if you want to call it a success rate, whether you're, you know, catching and releasing or just like catching to eat fishing is a lot higher than um hunting and i think i think that's kind of the endeavor itself is like hunting is can be more difficult if you're depending on the the situation that you're hunting i mean there's there's managed land there's private uh hunting leases and things like that that kind of make it a little easier and if you're not as choosy but i know michigan michigan's a big buck state isn't it isn't like you you hunt like mature deer and mm-hmm. um, because of things like CWD and, 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 you know, the hunting culture in Michigan, it's, you, you kind of be a, you, the, you have to kind of be a little bit more choosy when you're yeah. there. Right. Yeah. I, I think so. I mean, there's a ton of people around here who are like, if it's Brown, it's down, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, for the most part, I think, a lot of people are going after the biggest buck they can. So, yeah, and, and that kind of makes sense. I mean, horns are cool. <laughs> I, <Yeah. laughs> mean, I remember um, uh, Carlos uh, Lone Star Fishing was doing a um, his most recent amateur angling episode. He had uh, who was it? Cliff, I think his name was. He um, he's like a kayak tournament angler down in Texas. Okay. And they were just getting started and he, he pans the camera over and I see I see a set of antlers in the background. Really? And yeah, and I, I commented this was Cliff and I commented, I'm like, let's see the rest, let's let's see that deer. And Cliff, with the biggest flex ever, pans the camera over on his phone. And not only do you see that one, and it was a big, like big antler deer, yep. you see like six other mounts up there and i think oh one of them was God. an elk and i'm like <laughs> and they're all huge i'm like dang i've never been flexed on so hard <laughs> so it, it's i always think it's pretty cool when um I, you know everyone loves a big buck you know that that oh, trophy yeah. mount and stuff like that um but yeah it, it would definitely be interesting to see you get into the hunting space because i've seen you you know mess around with bushcraft and that's also one of the areas that i kind of play around with and um, I don't really post about it as much, but I do like messing around. I mean, who doesn't like starting a fire in a safe uh, yeah, environment? But yeah. who doesn't like starting a fire? The fire um, but it 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 would be really cool to see your take on on what you know, even though you have experience, but actually finally deciding to be um, involved in the hunting space. So that would be pretty cool. Um, from you know, to go back to fishing, what has been like? like whether it's been like your 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 first or your most memorable what has been like one memory that kind of you know when the fishing's hard and when when 
it's cold, it's rainy, it's wet. When you're struggling to get out, like you have that time to go and you're just not, might not be feeling it. What's that one memory that, that keeps you going out there? Like you've, you've been skunked like five times in a row, but you're still going to go out and fish. What is that one that keeps pulling you back in? Um, oh man, let's see. When I caught my PV, my personal best, uh, mm-hmm. largemouth, that day it was raining, it was cloudy, there was some wind, and the rain was like, it'd be kind of sprinkling for a little while and then just downpour. So you get soaked, you mm-hmm. dry out a little bit, you get soaked, you dry out a little bit. And then it wasn't exactly the warmest day either, but I chucked out a popper along the parallel to the bank of me and then uh it was so shallow too i can't remember what time of the season it was but so shallow and you just see this four pound bass just blow up on this popper and it was like the biggest explosion oh I've and ever it was seen. on top water too yeah oh, okay and so i set the hook on that thing and back then i was using a medium heavy for mm-hmm. a top water rod i didn't know kind of what i was doing <laughs> but it works it definitely works but uh, it's not the greatest when it comes to fighting fish mm-hmm. uh, with a topwater lure in its mouth. But it just dogged the heck out of my uh, my rod and my reel. So it was screaming. I was using mono. Like, <laughs> it was all like a whole bunch of chaos. And mm-hmm. I was so excited. I didn't know what to do. My heart was pumping. I took the worst pictures possible. <laughs> it's funny like that, isn't it? Yeah, you get so excited, you just like you're not you're not sure what to do, and you're just kind of I, trying to. I didn't know how to hold the fish for the picture. I didn't know mm-hmm. what to do. I mean, I got one good picture of like that bucket mouth pose when you hold it in the water and just kind of open its mouth all the way up. You take that photo, but um, yeah, that memory there keeps me going back to uh, just strive for. I don't think it's fishing in general but it's the next biggest fish. Mm-hmm. It strives me to go out there, no matter the conditions, to get that next biggest fish. And I think that fish kind of instilled the idea that, you know, you shouldn't be out there in just perfect weather. Oh, you yeah. should get out there, no matter the weather, because you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. They could be turned on when the weather is, I don't know, too dangerous. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's funny because um, what you described, the conditions, sounds like great fishing weather. You know, slight wind, drizzle on and off, mm-hmm. and overcast. I mean, that sounds like perfect conditions for a topwater. You said that your setup might not have been the best for what you were fishing. For people who may not be too familiar with, you know, topwater fishing or have much experience. I mean, I have very little experience topwater fishing. Um can you break down why you think that was the maybe not the best? Because uh, it sounds like you landed the fish. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yep. Uh, barely. Though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I would have preferred is something like uh, at least a heavy action mm-hmm. rod, or you can go which is a, which is a stiffer a stiffer yeah, rod, right? Which is a stiffer rod, or a even further go with an extra heavy, which is even stronger um because during that time there was a lot of grass too so you got okay. this popper with a bunch of treble hooks on it 
-hmm. It's in a bat, a really large bat, well, large to hear, uh, <laughs> bass's mouth who's trying to get away from you, and it's going to go into that grass mm -hmm. immediately, almost. So having a heavier action rod is going to help you reef that fish out of that grass. Yeah. And then I was using mono, which is not so bad with a popper. Yeah. I, I would almost suggest mono with a popper because mm -hmm. it's got um, a little bit Trebles. more fresh. It gets more action. But um, I, again, probably would have just wanted braid. Braid is so much better when it comes to uh, heavy action, stuff like that, mm -hmm. heavier baits, whatever. And it floats on top of water. So that top water, again, works a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And you can get the leverage on that fish a little bit more. Yeah, I just wish I had a, a, a more beefier setup. Yeah. No, um, it's it's fun. It's interesting that you uh, were fishing a popper and you said that there's a lot of grass. What made mm -hmm. you want to go with a popper instead of a frog? Um, it was my first Sixth Sense um, okay. topwater bait. Yeah, okay, gotten. that's sick. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So I was like, I really want to use this bait. This is the only mm -hmm. popper I have. So I was just trying it out. Okay. Happened, it just so happened to be a four-pound bass there, which was going to be my PB. Nice. <laughs> and, and and don't don't downplay it. I mean, four pounds is a big fish. I mean, mm -hmm. outside of like, you know, California, Texas, and Florida, that's a, that's a pretty decent fish. I mean, my PB's like two pounds so and that <laughs> i caught that sucker in jersey out of like a puddle the size of a bathtub i think i, I yeah i think i remember that video mm -hmm. yeah, yeah that was a good video though that was so it's video. like it's like a big fish is still a big fish you know oh yeah but i mean it's it's what's it saying um comparison is the thief of joy if you're comparing yourself to like california texas and florida where they catch four pounders like we catch like panfish it's ridiculous yeah. <laughs> but but no, that's that's pretty cool. When you like you mentioned that you didn't know what to do, like you didn't get good pictures and things like that. And I can really relate to that. I mean, I caught whenever I catch a fish that's bigger than I was expecting, it's like the, the adrenaline kicks in. You're just like trying to it's like the Ricky Bobby quote. I don't know what to do with my hands. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're like, how do I hold it? I got to get pictures. And then you're like at least for me there's like a million things running through my head like i gotta i want to get a picture um the camera that's on my chest is the last thing i'm thinking about and mm -hmm. then so I, and then like in a split second i'm like oh i gotta get it on video and then i'm thinking how long has this fish been out of water i gotta get it back in the water oh yeah so you kind of and that's all happening in like fractions of a second like you know click 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 you're like thinking all these things so i completely really that time that all this is happening, you think it's super long. Yes. It feels like a really long time. Mm -hmm. And really it's only a couple of minutes. So you're like, this fish or, has been, it feels like shorter. this fish has been out of the water for like 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> or shorter. I remember the first largemouth that I caught and this had been after me trying to catch a largemouth. So I, I picked up fishing in like the, what I consider the worst period, which is the summertime and the dead heat of the summer. And I was bank fishing these spots that I didn't know were actually like 15 to 75 foot deep. <laughs> I didn't know there were these deep <laughs> holes where fish would go hide into. I didn't know anything about, you know, largemouth bass behavior, how they react in the summertime. So this was like, you know, 
summer into fall, but it was still pretty hot. And I caught my first largemouth bass and it was on a, a crankbait. And I remember struggling trying to get the treble hooks out of its uh, of the of its mouth. Yep. And by the time I had done it, I felt like so much time had passed. I'm like, oh, I, I I'm just gonna take one picture and put it back in the water. But in reality, when I go back and look at those pictures, and and it was probably only like 30, 40 seconds that that fish was actually out of water. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but because it's like I'm like struggling, and I had pliers too. I mean, this guy had like every single hook on those trebles Just in it. So <laughs> yeah, it, that fish was not going anywhere. And I had it on a, uh, I caught it on a medium uh, spinning rod. It was on an ugly stick. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so, awesome. So it was like, I mean, it, it was pretty cool because I wasn't expecting to catch out. It was one of those things where I'm like, I'm going to go fishing. It's like super sticky and humid, but there's overcast. So I'm just going to go fishing. This is the time I had to go. So when I landed it, I was like so pumped. This fish was huge. I think it was like a, for me, it was the largest fish that I had ever caught at the time. I think it was like a pound, pound and a half, but it was like mm. a long, largemouth bass, probably like 13, 14 inches, but it was real skinny. And I just remember trying to get the trebles out and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get this fish back in the water. <laughs> it's so huge. Uh, so it's funny that you, that, that seems to happen quite often when people catch their like PB. I remember Alex talking about how he just didn't know what to do when he caught his uh, PB largemouth. And like, you just want to stare at it too. So mm -hmm. that takes up even more time. So you're like, ah. Oh. I got all this stuff I want to do with this mm -hmm. fish, but you're not realizing that you got plenty of time. Mm -hmm. Not all the time in the world, obviously. No, yeah. You still have plenty of time. My mm -hmm. PB photo, I actually held my elbow up in the air and then was holding it next to my face. So that was probably the worst shot I've ever taken. And it was during the time period where I think Instagram only allowed you to have a square photo oh okay so you had to try to fit all of that yeah. into a square little photo like a little square photo <laughs> that no that's great no it's funny you, you i i hear a lot of people you know say oh that's how you shouldn't hold a fish i intentionally hold a fish like that because i want people to realize like you know i'm not sitting here like long arming this fish yeah it, it here's my face for reference that this is mm -hmm. how long this fish is so i intentionally like hold it like this while yeah, I, I, I and people have commented like dude hold that fish out i'm like no i don't want to i want to hold no, it close no. to my face mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i eventually figured out that you can leave your elbow mm -hmm. low and yeah. then by your chest and then hold it next to your face still but i just didn't my arms didn't know what to do yeah, yeah it's just like hold. it's just like i gotta get a picture i gotta get a picture uh -huh. <laughs> yeah it's funny oh. because i uh i'm left-handed but mm -hmm. I fish right-handed, so I cast with my right hand, and oh, I reel with my. I know it, I, it, I. I always like to say I switch hit when I um when I fish. So when I go and grab the fish, I grab the fish with my left hand, but because I'm left-handed, my phone's always in my left pocket. Oh, <laughs> so I'm always like you know juggling the fish in my phone. I'm like, what am I doing? And the fish is flopping, so it's always funny trying to get a picture. Mm -hmm. Um, so you mentioned that you you you'd be on the boat with your you know growing up your your uh your father and your grandfather would take you out and you'd be on the boat you know yep. catching panfish have you 
you know, how often do you get on the boat versus how often are you fishing from the bank? Now that my grandfather lives in the UP, mm-hmm. I only see him like once a year. So I don't get to get on that boat, but I do get to go on my buddy's boat who lives down the road from me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd say 90% of the time I'm on the bank. Yeah. 90% of the year. Mm-hmm. So it might be different this coming year because mm-hmm. now that I'm closer. Uh, so it might see me on the boat quite often. But other than that, I'm on the bank and I am fishing. Do you do you see that as like a, like a, a I don't know a disadvantage to be on the bank? Um, I think. Or are you just like I'm on the bank and I'm still gonna catch a good amount of fish and I'm gonna catch some decent sized fish? Yeah, I'm still yeah I'm still in that mindset. I'm on the bank. I'm gonna catch what I can and what I can what I know is there. It's going to be a decent amount of fish, hopefully. Um, but I will say there is an advantage to getting on a boat mm-hmm. because you can really, at that point, learn your water. Yeah. A little bit better, your your contours, your depths, and all that stuff. And you can uh, use certain lures. Certain lures work better, like crankbaits from a boat. Yeah. So, And I okay. love crankbaits. It's hard to use it from the bank, so I spent a lot of time trying to figure that out mm-hmm. uh, uh, but from a boat a crankbait works a little bit better a jerkbait works a little bit better and it's just sometimes easier to get uh better angles to get to those fish gotcha you know yeah that makes sense and so i i have been kayak fishing for like a couple of months now i think i've only been out like three or four times though because um, it's, it's a real time commitment to get a kayak on the water and that was one thing that i i was warned about but i didn't really take seriously i'm like eh, how long is it actually going to take mm-hmm. for me to you know put this kayak in the water put all my gear in it and go fishing and it actually takes like 30 minutes to get that thing in the water and you know you're off you're on your way um at least it does for me but what i'm struggling with right now is um learning what and maybe i'm just picking like a body of water that's not the most fishy because there are fish in there i mean i have a i have a fish finder mm-hmm. attached when i go out and i am marking fish what kind of fish those are i have no idea i know there are bass in this water but usually when i go i'm you know not just targeting bass i'm targeting whatever bites and every fish that i've caught i have been able i could have caught it from the bank what mm-hmm. i mean by that is this um, reservoir that I've been fishing has a walking path that goes along the bank. And there are spaces in there where you can see that people have been fishing. And each one that I've caught, no, except for one, one was kind of, you know, if you were fishing, if you would have caught this guy, you would have had to do like a 50, 70 yard bomb cast (laughs) from the bank to get this fish. But um, the rest of the fish that I've caught, have been within like 10 to 15 feet from the bank. So you could have easily have caught that fish from the bank. So the the struggle that I'm doing with now is how to catch those. You wouldn't necessarily call this offshore, but those off bank fish, the ones that you can't get from the bank. I've been struggling to to catch those. Um, But it, it comes down to like, I am more effective from the bank than I am from, from, you know, being off bank because that's how I've spent the last like year and a half is, 
learning how to find fish from the bank, which I think, you know, you say you spend 90% of your time on the bank. I think you'd probably say you're a little bit more effective breaking down a body of water from the bank than you are from the boat. Oh yeah. And I think, uh, it sounds like you're still, even though you're on a kayak, you're still a bank fisherman. You're still thinking if I was on the bank, where would I put this lure? Which kind of, it's more along the lines of, I can't catch them deep. Let's, yeah. let's, let's see where they all are. Let's go to the spots that, mm-hmm. you know, where I'm used to them seeing. Cause I'll spend a significant amount. I mean, last time I was out, I think I was out for like four or five hours, which is the most I spent on the kayak. Um, and like the last, I'd say like the last hour, I was like, you know what, let's just hit these coves, uh, and these corners and see what, you know, what bites. And the, I only caught two fish on that trip. And the second catch was an accident. I meant to cast in one direction and it went over here. <laughs> and as soon as it hit, <laughs> uh, a bluegill just like snatched it up and my rod hey. starts going like crazy. Uh, I'm always told from watching fly fishing videos, there are no bad casts. So even if you make a bad cast, quotations, um, work it, reel, reel it in like it's a mm-hmm. normal cast. Like there's probably going to be a fish. You'll be surprised. Yeah. But I think the advantage of going back to the boat here, the advantage of having a boat is being able to get to the spots that the bank fishermen mm-hmm. can't. But then you can also bring your bank fishing mentality onto the boat. Be like, kind of, they both mix. So you almost become a better angler on that boat if you've mm-hmm. been bank fishing for a long time versus always on a boat. At, at least that's how it works in my head. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what what are some of the tips that you would give to someone who's starting out Um as a new angler only has access to the bank, like what, if there were three things you could tell um, someone who has just gotten into fishing, what are those three things you would tell them? Let's say, I'm going to say spinning rod. Okay. Good, good choice. Yeah, I agree there. I'm going to say three or four out hooks Mm -hmm. and then a stick bait. Okay. If you're going for bass. Gotcha. So, that's if you're going for bass. Otherwise, if it's a panfish or something, same thing, um, except smaller hook and mm-hmm. smaller bait. Yeah. So, no, no, things. those are solid tips. <laughs> those are solid tips. You know, I, I fell in the trap of overcomplicating things. Um, first thing I did was start looking up YouTube videos on how to fish from the bank or just how to fish in general mm-hmm. or like lures for a new fisherman. You get those like top 10 or those videos of people going to Walmart and you're like, if you're just starting fishing, we're going to fill this tackle box with everything you need. And after like spending a week going through those videos, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to Walmart. I bought a spinning rod and probably like $50 worth of lures. So I, mm. right there, I sunk in a hundred bucks and the lures that I bought were all over the place because I was taking information from all of these different videos like Mm -hmm. one of them was for bass fishing one of them was for crappie fishing i didn't even know if there were crappie in the waters that i was going to be fishing one of them was for trout fishing i'm like i want to i want to get a good assortment so i can just kind of switch and i think that was a detriment or like you know just like i think i overcomplicated it for myself because when i finally hit the water i was like okay which one are we going to start with and it was just me like 
switching lures because I'm taking this information that I got, which is if something's not working in the first like 15, 20 minutes, switch lures. But that's if you know what you're doing and if you know how to work <laughs> the lure and if you know a fish are in that water. Because mm-hmm. that's why I like your tip of like, you know, per- personally, I would always suggest go live bait first. So you can kind of get familiar, oh, yeah. get familiar with what it feels like. And that's the best tip that I received. Because after struggling all summer long, someone finally goes, what are you fishing with? Someone took the time online, some random internet person in a forum was like, what are you fishing with? You know, and I broke down everything that I've tried. And they're like, you, you know, they're like, go back to basics. Go buy yourself some bobbers, some hooks, some split shot and some worms and get mm-hmm. used to what it feels like to get a bite pay attention to your line and then eventually move off the bobber. So you can kind of get familiar with what it feels like without seeing that visual of what it looks like when a fish is hitting it. So you can get familiar and that kind of changed everything for me, but your tip of, you know, stick baits, three odd hook and a spinning rod is perfect because you have one lure, you learn that lure and it's a great lure. You, that thing works year round, you know? Oh yeah. Hot, hot hot weather, cold weather, weather, spawn, post-spawn, you know, whatever it is, that thing is going to catch fish if you know how to use it, which, you know, for me, I am relatively okay at, you know, a stick bait, whether it's a Texas rig, wacky rig, whatever. But that thing will catch fish in almost any condition, and it makes you focus on learning that one thing, because if you only have one lure, yeah, you might switch up colors, you know, because who doesn't like to have, like, 15 different colors of a Senko, right? Oh, I do. Uh, <laughs> but you're still going to work, learn to work that bait, and you'll get effective with that bait, and you won't be wondering, okay, 10, 15 minutes in, well, you know, YouTubeInfluencerFishing.com said, if I haven't caught a fish in 15 minutes try something else mm-hmm. there's nothing else to try you just have the stick bait so it's it, i think that's a really good tip of where to start is just like focus on that one lure focus on a versatile lure and and start from there um so i i 100 agree with you there on that point um what would you advise against for a relatively new angler like what what is one thing that uh, like we'll take it when you first started bass fishing you know, you said you taught yourself how to bass fish. Um, what was one thing you did that you would advise against? Like learn from my mistakes kind of situation. This is going to sound counterintuitive because it's also a great way to learn how to go fishing. But YouTube and content can be a bit overwhelming mm-hmm. when you go on there to learn how to fish. You can. So like. You got to really scrutinize your searches mm-hmm. and what you're looking for and the people that you're watching. Because obviously there's a ton of people out there that just want to sell you a bunch of stuff. And then there's people that actually want to help you. So you got to find those YouTubers who actually want to help you instead of just trying to sell you stuff. And because if you, again, yeah, if you buy a whole bunch of stuff that uh, isn't going to work for you, it's not going to really help. Yeah. Obviously it still instills the, to want to learn but i think finding the right information is is really important so staying away from the wrong information is yeah and and i feel like that's kind of what started like I, i mentioned earlier that's kind of what started me making content was i was seeing a lot of essentially like highlight reels of people 
catching fish. Like you don't know how long these people have been in the water, but you're seeing them pull out like three or four big fish out mm-hmm. of this pond that they've been fishing. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to go out. I'm going to catch some fish. I'm going to try and do what they were doing. And you spend a full day out there and you're lucky if you get one when you're starting. At least that's how it was for me. I, I remember yeah. I didn't catch my first fish until um, three or four fishing trips in. It was a little, it was actually, it was actually a pretty decent sized rock bass, like the size of my hand. And, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but it was one of those things where it's like, I don't know how I caught this fish. I don't know what I did to catch this fish. I just kind of tossed this thing out there and I caught the fish. Um, but it wasn't the experience that I saw online. And that's kind of one of the things that I'm mindful of when I am making a video, not to go too far into the content creation you know, space, but that's kind of one of the things that I am mindful of when I am making my videos. If, if time has elapsed, if there's a significant gap, I make sure to show somehow that you know it's been a huge gap since I've caught a fish. Oh, yeah. So those videos where you know I have videos where you know I'm catching like a bunch of fish, they're small dinky fish, but I am catching a ton of fish. Those usually happen in that you know a relatively short time span, in like thirty minutes or an mm-hmm. hour. But if there's a huge gap, like it's been like an hour, two hours, three hours since I've caught a fish, I try whether it's me talking to camera making sure that i that i've mentioned or you know have like a little little text that says like two hours three hours later something like that but that's one of the things that can be a little bit you know disheartening as a new angler is like why aren't i catching fish what am i struggling with like what's what am i doing wrong is like seeing and it it goes like you said you have to kind of protect yourself from you know some of the content you're consuming some of it is pure entertainment you Mm -hmm. know A lot of people like to, you know, harp on, you know, the the YouTube anglers that fish with gummy worms or or can I catch a fish on a hot dog like or or a block of wood, right? That is strictly, you know, in my opinion, for entertainment purposes. And there's nothing wrong with that, in my opinion, you know, Mm -mm. if people that's the content you want to make and that's the content you want to consume, go for it. I, I watch it just because, you know. For the same reason that, you know, people watch like The Real Housewives. It's fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, it's you designed know? to be entertaining. Yeah. I, I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, he caught it on a on a freaking, you know, Sour Patch Kid. I'm going to go go buy some sure. Sour Patch <laughs> Kids, right? <laughs> uh, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, I'll watch it. I'll spend like 10, 15 minutes and I'll watch this mm-hmm. and, and kind of go from there. So like there there's that learning element and then there's that entertainment element. And sometimes you can get the best of both worlds where it is entertaining. Like someone has a good personality, can explain it well. Uh, one of the people that I do like to watch quite a bit is um, when I am learning something. And right now I'm really focusing on learning the Ned Rig is um, the online outdoorsman because okay. super entertaining, has a great personality, great camera presence and knows a ton about it, about the Ned Rig. So it's one of those things where, you know, you find that perfect mix and you can do that. You can be entertaining and you can be learning. So that's a a really good tip of like, you know, being careful what you're treating as like something you're learning from and something that's just purely entertainment. Um, So when you go out fishing, kind of walk me through like your, your setup process when you're going fishing, like the day before, what are you doing the day of? And then like, afterwards like what's kind of like what what what's the the things you're taking away usually like what do you when you're recapping that trip 
if you recap that trip, what, what are the things that you're kind of trying to remember? So the day before I go out on a trip, I'm usually wishing that it is the day of the trip, mm -hmm. but um, I will be looking at weather. Weather is super important. Obviously, I said just go out there with whatever weather it is. But mm -hmm. Sometimes if there's lightning. You probably shouldn't go out there. Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, wind is pretty dangerous, too. Went out recently. It was like 40 mile an hour gusts. But we were still safe because we were in a gorge. So mm -hmm. location matters of where you're going when it comes to weather. So I'm usually planning out where I'm going. Mm -hmm. And then looking at the weather for there, and then I'll look at the hourly to make sure it's not going to get worse or yeah. too dangerous. And then I'll decide if it's even worth it to go. In the yeah, no, before. and, and yeah. That, that's a really good point because um, just a shout out another YouTuber, 609 Fishing. I don't know if you're familiar with his stuff, oh, yeah. but he has a great quote that it – it, it, he, it must be his day off because the weather's always horrible when he goes. <laughs> yep. And uh, he picks, you know, where he goes and what he's targeting based off the weather. If it's too windy for him to be out on his kayak on the Jersey shore, he's going to be, you know, in some freshwater creeks and rivers where he can hide from the wind. So yes. that's a really good tip to be mindful of the weather around you. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's exactly what I do every time. I don't even... I'll have lures tied on for mm. I'll do like a little pre-rigging of what I think is going to be good for the conditions. But usually I end up changing it when I get there because see, that's where I struggle. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. will tie things on and I'm like, I want to fish this and this and this. And then when I'm there, I'll look around and I'm like, and you'll hear it sometimes on my video. I'm like, I know I should put something else on, but mm -hmm. I'm just going to toss this anyways because <laughs> I, I want to fish this lure. And, yeah there's and, a want to fish yeah. new lure and nine mm -hmm. times out of ten it's like i should have switched uh yep. i was um what was i fishing i was fishing a ribbon tail and that's a funny thing that's the one thing one thing that i still haven't learned uh from fishing uh, all these you know all this time that i spent is that um once i get to the body of water i gotta stop being stubborn and learn to switch things up one of the um one of the things that uh, i always get is like oh i would have thrown xyz there mm -hmm. and i always ask why and they'll give me the reason i'm like oh that's a really good reason i should have thrown that like uh um where i caught my pb there's tons of lily pads tons of grass and i'm always hearing oh i would have thrown a frog in there big time i was throwing a swim jig which you know still cutting through and, and working but you know, it would have been cool to catch it on a frog, you know, get a topwater yeah. bite. It was, it was the right conditions, but, and then same thing with the, um, you know, I was throwing a ribbon tail worm at this pond and fish were blowing up everywhere. I should have thrown a topwater. I should have switched, but I didn't even take one with me that day. And then the next time I was throwing topwater, nothing was happening. And, you know, when I was like showing people like the conditions, telling people like, what should I have thrown here? All I hear is like, I would have thrown a punch rig. Look at all that, you know, that grass mat that goes out like five, six feet from the bank. There are definitely fish in there. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, eh, yeah, I should have done that. And, and as I got there and I saw my lure not doing what I wanted to, like it's the same pond, same grass mat. I would throw my ribbon tail out and it would like 
struggle to get in through the grass and then kind of sink down. I should have at least adjusted the weight yeah. on my ribbon tail rig. I should have put a heavier weight on there. Or I should have just switched to a punching rig. Or, you know, as soon as I saw the first blow up, I have video of that first blow up. I don't know if I put it in the video. In fact, I might have. Oh, no, no, no. I actually haven't done this one yet. Um, oh. <laughs> there is, like, in the distance, when you hear this thing, it sounds like somebody, like, cannonballed into the the pond. So and, I, like, relate it to somebody throwing a basketball up yeah. in the air. And then mm-hmm. it's smacking the water because it's exactly. kind of buoyant and it makes that buoyant smack. Yeah, water. exactly. That's exactly it. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, I wish I brought a top water. <laughs> and I did it. And I was like, because after that, they weren't as big, but they were still blowing up. And mm-hmm. it was crazy. So uh, that's something that I need to work on is not being as stubborn because I, I will pre-rig and I will just so that I'm saving time and getting on the water faster. But most of the time I end up switching anyways and I actually do end up catching a fish or two after I've switched. So yeah, bringing it back to what I'm Mm -hmm. doing while I'm fishing, I'll, when I'm actually there, I'm at the water, I'll look like I'm fishing because I have, I'm already pre-rigged. doesn't mean it's going to, I might catch a fish still, but Mm. I'm actually looking at the water and seeing if I can see where these fish are, what they're doing, or I'm looking for bait fish. I'm looking for any signs that uh, I need to be switching my lure. Because, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's that match the hatch. You need to. Yeah. And then match the activity, too. You need to figure out what the fish are doing, where they are, what they're eating, and so on. And then go from there. No, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good point. And afterwards like let's say you didn't catch a fish what are you kind of taking away from that trip um usually i blame it on the the fish being lazy yeah and or they're they're just eating enough already mm-hmm. it's not my fault but yeah. it's never it's never our fault man it's no, the weather no, it's or <laughs> or it's, this place has been been fished too much People taking too many fish. There's always mm-hmm. like a reason why it's not us. Are you a fish log kind of guy? Like, do you keep like notes somewhere of like your days on the water, or at least like mental notes so that oh, last time I was here and it was like this X Y Z worked and this didn't. Yeah, I'll take mental notes. I've tried to do the whole write it down and everything, but mm-hmm. I don't have the patience. I catch a fish, I put it in the water, and mm-hmm. I cast again. Like I don't. Obviously, I can write it all down at the end but i don't even remember that so (laughs) no yeah so it's all mental notes and then i save everything all my photos so Mm -hmm. usually they're time stamped and sometimes they even say the weather on there like whatever and uh, yeah and then there are some apps, uh, Fishbrain's one of them. There are tons of apps out mm-hmm. there that you can privately log stuff and yep. it'll save like weather conditions, barometric pressure, uh, real cool stuff like that. So that's usually what I end up doing. I'll have a, I have a bunch of like private things on there mm-hmm. just so I'm not blowing up a spot, but, um, it, having a log and I'll even make a note when I don't catch a fish. Here's yeah. what I was doing because I think it's super beneficial 
to um, know what to expect or to at least have some kind of historical reference. One of the things that, um, you know, call it, you know, an opportunity or just like, you know, a bag of bricks that I got to carry around with me is that um, I moved and I'm learning a ton of new bodies of water, which is great because it's fun. It's a good skill to have. Yeah. But it also sucks when you just want to catch a fish because you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, because everybody has their like sweet spots after they've been fishing for like a year or two. They're like, oh, I know I can go here and at least, you know, get a bite Mm -hmm. or two. But for me, it's taking me some time to get that information. Luckily, I have a neighbor that fishes who has been fishing this spot for um, this entire area for like a couple of years now. So he's kind of been my. your my historical yeah my <laughs> historical information um because he's like oh i've caught this here i've caught this there you should check out this spot like um those huge bluegill that i caught i wouldn't have fished that spot if he wouldn't have said oh there's big bluegill at this one spot you should definitely mm-hmm. go there um so it, it's good to to have that reference um let's say you do catch a fish you know outside of like the pictures and stuff like that what are you doing afterwards <laughs> Um, I'm getting straight back to fishing and I am yeah. trying to repeat at that point. Mm-hmm. At that point, it's further investigation to whether that is the lure, the bait they want to eat. Because mm-hmm. you could catch one fish and then not catch any fish after that. Yeah. And it's like, okay, should I have switched my lure? Was that the, not the right lure? Obviously, I caught a fish on it, so there's something to it, but obviously it wasn't quite good enough. So what could I have done there? But yeah, I'll continue to fish that lure. It's not producing, then I'll switch Mm -hmm. because it may have caught me one fish, but it's just, I need more. We need, we always need (laughs) more. (laughs) So. Yeah. So what, you know, you, it's, it's apparent that you really like bass fishing. Yeah. What's the next thing that you want to start? tackling outside of bass fishing um actually, or outside of fishing in general um well in the future it's going to be yeah. hunting but yeah. uh currently right now because it is winter and we don't have good enough ice yet mm-hmm. um i'm learning how to steelhead fish yeah which is like learning fish. how to fish all over again yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. so i actually going out a few hours after this okay and, cool and hitting the river and seeing if there are any steelhead because i got my new combos got my kit and all that stuff so um steelhead in the winter is going to be something i do uh for now on and learn no, that's learn pretty cool fish. um yeah steelhead are huge fish oh it's yeah <laughs> i cannot wait it's gonna be incredible are you running with the spinning or a fly rod I'm gonna. I'm running with a nine-six uh, Akuma Ooh, a SST. It is a giant setup. Yeah, it's a uh, medium light. It's incredible, but it is a spinning rod. Yeah, that no, that's pretty cool. Um, do you ever? Because I know you fly fish. Do you yep. plan on eventually switching to fly fishing for steelhead? Um, yeah, I do. I have the rod for it already. Mm-hmm. I tried it once. They're, it's a little early still. So 
eventually once I figure out with the spinning rod, I'll probably go out there with a fly rod and I'll, mm -hmm. I'll try that, which is going to be even more insane. <laughs> no, <I laughs> like torpedoes. Yeah, that's what I keep hearing is like they are big fighting fish. Sometimes they're so aggressive they actually uh, Don't they, they like figure jump? out what what's going on. Mm -hmm. they, if they know it's you, they'll actually try to jump at you. Yeah, I, I hear that they like can jump up to like five feet out of the water, right? Oh, it's insane. If you get hit by a fish of that magnitude, like, <laughs> my dad almost got you. hit by a salmon. It's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's cool, man. Um, yeah, best of luck learning that. Uh, definitely gonna have to have you back on after you've you know landed a few steelhead. See if we can kind of get some learnings out from you. I really appreciate yep. you taking the time. Um, is there anything like you want to plug anything? Where can people find you? Um, what, what do you like to use? Things like that. Um, you can find me on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. All of those are Mike goes fishing, all separate words. And then, uh, except Instagram, it's one word, but you find me there. And then I am a part of the six cents fishing team. So if you guys want to check out any six cents fishing products, you use uh, my code MGF10 and save some money on those. Mm -hmm. I, I really believe in them and uh no man they make team. they make great lures Their, that yeah. clout worm is crazy oh, on yeah. wacky rig and yeah. um the crankbaits i love their crankbaits they're yeah amazing just, they're incredible lures i really like them um i like being on the team they're really cool guys and uh they're just trying to make fishing better and easier for people and kind of improve trying to improve on the world of fishing sweet so. no yeah again thanks for coming on man and i and again best of luck and hopefully you get into some steelhead this winter i i hope so hopefully today that would be cool but i really appreciate you having me on it's really cool to be on here and uh i wish nothing but the best for the podcast that you got going on here and sweet uh, 